So we'll have a Sunday evening um, service, kind of like an Eve service here a week early. So on the 18th, so if you want to tell your family members that and people that normally you know would come with a Christmas Eve service, come on the 18th in the evening, and that's in your bulletin as well. And on that same day, on the 18th in the morning, we'll have uh, Josue and uh, Nancy Lemus from Guatemala will be with us in the service again. Some of you remember them from last year, and they're coming back and going to bless us again. I was really uh, impressed with them and grateful for what they're doing down in Guatemala. We're praying this year the Lord show us if we're to link with them as missions or how we'll be connected to them, if we're supposed to be uh, in an ongoing way or not. And uh, once again, just we're going to host them here and glad to have them come back. So those things I think are important. Thanks for everything. Here's Pastor Rob. Amen. I'm excited to see the Lemuses. We are the connection. We met Nancy down in Guatemala when we lived there. In uh, I guess it was 2002. We uh, she was a short-term missionary. We met her there and and immediately linked up with her and, and helped her transition full-time into the mission field. Um, had to rescue her a few times from some bad situations she got into, and uh, uh, it was just great. And then she stayed on. And has been down there permanently, I think, since about 2003. Um, God brought her a Guatemalan husband who's just a wonderful guy, a uh, man of God. And uh, this year, he, he, he I don't know if, if, if he'll be preaching. Last year, he preached through translation, but his English is getting better. So we'll see if he's ready to preach in English to us. You know, when we were down in, in Guatemala, and for those, most of you know, but, but uh, my family, Shannon and I are... Our kids uh, spent three years living in Antigua, Guatemala, and it was a great, great experience. And one of the one of the neatest times of year was uh, was Christmas. Um, Easter Easter really was the the neatest time of year because the the country is a, it's a religious country. Now it's Catholic, but it's it's deep religion and um, and and honoring of Christ. And so the the uh, Holidays are really holy days. They really honor and celebrate. And Christmas was exciting. They did some neat things throughout the uh, community we lived in. Again, primarily a Catholic place, but they would set up uh, different uh, churches, would have manger scenes, and really, really neat things that would happen throughout the, the time of Christmas. One of the unique parts of, of Christmas down there was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, they had a number of events happening in different churches throughout the area that we'd go and look at uh, setups and manger scenes and nativity scenes and different things. But at midnight on Christmas Eve, I remember the first year we were down there, we heard a little bit about it. Uh, I, I was just thinking about this this morning. Otherwise, I would have brought you the video uh, of it. You can't see, but you can hear. Um, you know, Shannon and I, that was our first year, the first year we were down there, our first year away from home, out of, out of the country, away from family, and all alone. The, uh, for us, it was very different. There's not a lot of pine trees in Guatemala. Um, and, and so Christmas trees, you know, we were like, where are we going to get a Christmas tree? We had no money. And um, our, we had a, a lady who came in twice a week who became really part of our family, Blanca. She, she came and says, I can get you 
of Rama, uno Rama. And, and we were like, we didn't, our Spanish was just growing. We're like, well, what's a Rama? So we're, we're excited. It's a Christmas Rama. And she explained it looks like a tree. And so we're, we're excited. She says, I'll get you a, a pine tree is, is what we thought she was going to bring us. And so she was, but I have to come really early in the morning. And we still don't know why she had to come that early in the morning. She says, I'm not doing anything illegal, but... But, you know, cutting tree, I don't know, you know, but so, so she showed up really early one morning with our Christmas tree. And our Christmas tree, our Rama, was, was a branch. And, and it was actually like three branches and it was really long and it had pine needles about this long on it. And nothing, but there wasn't any sticks on it. It was just one little stick with a whole bunch of hair. And, and she was so excited to give us our Christmas tree. And so we get that and we're grateful. But I was, you know, I was grateful for her heart. But I went, what are we going to do with this? And, and so, you know, we, we, we stuck it in a pot and we, we tried to hang ornaments on it. And it, it was just, it was, it was a mess. And so finally, I just, our kids that year had made paper, paper chains to put on our rama. And um, it, it couldn't hold anything, so I just grabbed all the paper chains and I drew an outline on the wall in the shape of a tree. And then I taped, because it was a brick wall, then I taped lights on it. And I said, there's our tree! And so, you know, it was just a, an interesting time. And, and actually, on, on Christmas Eve, you know, Shannon and I did what a lot of couples do. We got in the worst fight of our marriage. <laughs> And, you know, it was just just one of those things that was was happening. And, you know, we're just just not going well. I think that was over the tamales. We we spent we had no money and we had no money. We, We had we spent our last I think it was nine dollars on our Christmas dinner. And so we're in Guatemala. So we decided to do the traditional Christmas dinner of tamales and so we, or that we found out the, the best place to get tamales and which kind to get. So we order all these tamales. We bring them home. And Guatemala is not like Mexico. I know Mexican tamales, and they're yummy. These things were made with potato meal. And they put chocolate in one. And they put this yucky meat thing in some of these others. And, I mean, you know... We're, we're, we're broke. We have no money. We have no food. This is our Christmas Eve dinner. And we're trying to eat it. And I, I'm, I'm, I just can't. I mean, it's so gross. I'm like, you know, and Shannon looks at me and says, you'll eat that. <laughs> and, the, and Matthew and the kids were going. And finally, she had to admit that it was horrible. So, you know, it's just not going well. So we leave and, and we come back and there was our ministry down there was ministering to missionaries. It was very, it was very interesting. Missionaries would go there to learn language. And so they would be their first stop to the mission field. And they would spend four to eight weeks, sometimes 12 weeks in Antigua. Their very first thing that they do before they'd go to their Honduras or Costa Rica or wherever they'd be going. And so there were some missionaries who had just come from Haiti. And they were a neat, neat family. And we're walking up the this, this, this street towards our house and we're just not happy. And, and here this couple is coming to our house to, 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 you know, to join us in celebration. <laughs> Anyways, you know, we, we thank God because they came and they really helped to lift our spirits. And, and here we're supposed to be ministering to them. And, and they really blessed us. But so Christmas Eve goes on and we get everything all ready and kids go to bed. And, and Shannon f- falls asleep exhausted. And I'm still awake 
And about midnight, I start hearing what I'd heard about. So I open up the door and it gets louder and louder until it sounds like like what we what we did down in the desert a while back shooting you know shooting the big guns you know we went down there and we're shooting the shotguns and it was boom 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 and it just started going on it sounded like war was happening so I open up the door and Shannon is sleeping through this and it's just you know echoing through the house and our brick walls and the whole city on Christmas Eve lights firecrackers, bombas, which are like the M80s and these and, and, then, and then bigger stuff. And, and when, when they go out, I mean, you know, they don't have any money, but they spend everything on, on these cohetes. And so it's just up and down our street. I mean, you look out there and you, all you see is flashes of light. Pop, 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 pop. And it's just, I mean, we're, I'm laughing. It's so funny. And, and, and that's what's so finally, I, I had to wake Shannon up. And then she's like, what is going on? And, and it lasted for five, ten minutes straight of just everyone in the city lighting firecrackers and M80s and even some bigger stuff. Very few things in the air. It's just noise. You know, everything's loud there. Everything's loud there. <laughs> but it was, it was really exciting. And, and, uh, and we, we were there for two Christmases. And, and it happened both times right at midnight. And it was just so exciting. I was realizing, you know, we celebrate Fourth of July, which is a good thing. I mean, I, I love Fourth of July and celebrating our freedom. But isn't it so much more exciting to celebrate Jesus? <laughs> Christmas Eve at midnight... They honored the birth of Christ in the loudest way that they knew how. Blowing things up. <laughs> I know that's not like a guy holiday. <laughs> the celebration went on and it was it was great. It was it was it was different. You know, usually on Christmas Eve, they don't know Silent Night. <laughs> they don't know Silent Night. And, and it was very different for, for what we were used to, but the idea that, that everyone there gathers together and celebrates the birth of Christ is so awesome. That's what we're doing this month. And it needs to be the, the biggest part of our lives, the focus of our lives as Christians, is celebrating Jesus Christ. Christmas. Remember, Christ is the beginning of Christmas. And we need to be, be understanding that. And, and Pastor Jeff talked about that earlier. It's a fight. Isn't it, not, is it not a fight to keep Christ in Christmas as you're elbowing people on Black Friday and going in there and looking for these deals? I mean, I heard about some crazy deals that I thought, my goodness, why do people put $600 items on sale for $200? Somebody's going to, well, and it happened, didn't it, last year? And we lose our focus. So we've got to fight to retain, keep Christ in Christmas in our hearts and in our lives. And that's why we're spending this time each week talking about the advent of Christ, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate it, but we need to celebrate it in more of a way than just the baby. This morning, last week, just, uh, if, if I've heard that if you recite what you've learned, you'll, it'll grow in deeper. What was last week? The first week of Advent was the celebration of what? Hope. And we're going to light the hope candle again this week, as long as the match doesn't break. And this week... The second week of Advent, celebrating. We're going to talk about this morning, the peace of God. We're going to talk about peace this morning as we celebrate in the Advent, the Bethlehem candle, candle of peace, and what, what Christ's coming has meant to us. Lord Jesus, as we begin on our time this morning, Lord, teach us what your peace is. God, we thank you for what Christmas represents and the peace 
of God, the peace that came into the world when you sent Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray we'd also understand the peace that we as believers need to have and can have as we look forward to his second advent, his second coming, Lord. God, keep us focused this morning and this month as we celebrate the advent of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 9. And I just want to honor all of you frozen chosen who came out this morning. It was much warmer to stay home. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to share that. And this isn't at you because you're here this morning. But, but I want to encourage us to encourage each other. Encourage those who maybe are missing part of the idea of the body of Christ. You can't have church at home. You can listen to a great sermon at home. But when you're all alone, you can't have church. Because the church is us. You can listen to a message. You can worship God. But you can't have church without other believers. So important to gather together. And if you can't on a Sunday, to find a group of believers in a life group, join together as the body of Christ. And that's what we've come to do this morning. And, and uh, it's, it's important. It's not important for me that you show up. It's important for us that we show up. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this thank you God that you are the prince of peace Jesus is the prince of peace one of these scriptures, again, this is, this is a freebie. I'll give you a few of those today. You don't have to pay extra for them. These are, these are Trinity scriptures here because it's talking about Jesus coming into the world, but it also says that He's the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father. We don't understand how the Trinity works exactly. It's a little beyond me, but I finally came to the realization if I can understand every attribute and everything about God, then I have no reason for God. But this is a Trinity scripture. Jesus is the everlasting Father, mighty God, Prince of Peace. But how does, Christmas, how does the Christmas story bring peace to us this morning? Once again, we're talking, we say this a lot, we're talking about the meta-narrative of the Bible. That is the way that the, the Christmas story brings us peace. The meta-narrative. It's every account and I will, forgive me, I'll slip a few times and call them stories. They are accounts. They're not fakes, false stories. But every account in the Bible is put together in the meta-narrative of the Bible. It means taking all of the accounts, putting it all together as one whole piece. The Christmas story, on its own, is a wonderful story. It's about a virgin and a godly man and some shepherds hearing an angel and a baby being born in a stable then having to escape for his life. It's a wonderful 
story. It's a wonderful account, but for many it just becomes a story. And on its own, it's, it's left less lifeless, less understood if we only take that part out of the Bible and celebrate that part. Too many believers and, and, and non, definitely the non-believers take the Christmas story as just a chunk this little thing, and they go, isn't that sweet? That's the Christmas story. But the meta-narrative of the Bible is what brings the power, and this morning it talks about the peace. The whole Bible together is going to help us understand how this Christmas we can have peace. It brings us peace because the prophetic utterings from 700 years ago in Isaiah, 650 years ago in the life of Jeremiah, it brings those prophetic utterings to us. It told us that they transpired. It's a message of peace because the life that this little baby leads for the next 33 years after the Christmas story, when he walks on this earth, it proves his life after proves that he's the Christ. And that's why it brings us peace. It infuses peace into the people who read and understand that this Christmas child fulfilled the law of Moses and opened a better way to the Father. It didn't stop on Christmas morning. We have to remember the, the Old and the New Testament together, putting all these things, and that's what brings us peace. He overcame death so that we could have life. The Christmas story brings us peace as we understand that by fulfilling the prophecies made about Him, Jesus fulfills the prophecies about us. He will deliver on the promises made toward us in Christ. By looking at the whole Bible, we understand that because Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, it's one more anchor in there that the Word of God is trustworthy and His promises for us will be fulfilled. And that's what can bring us peace this morning. It's a message of peace found in the Christmas story that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's where our peace is, is resting on. It's eternal life. It's not always in the things that we have day to day, but it's the meta-narrative, it's the whole picture that through this life, our hope, our peace is in Christ and eventually will come when Jesus comes to take us home again. What is peace? People, different people have a different understanding and definition of what peace is. Is peace just the absence of strife? So many times we just say, oh, I just wish I could have a little peace in my house, which really means just a little bit of quietness and a little less strife. Is it the absence of violence? Give peace a chance. Let's have world peace. Is peace based on the knowledge that everything is going to be just fine? Oh, tomorrow will be okay. I know I've got peace that tomorrow is going to be good and sometimes tomorrow is not good. Is peace... This idea that was really rampant and some people, you've, you've heard it still said today, but it was really being said of five or six years ago. It's all good. It's all good. I had some people say that to me and says, you're crazy. It's not all good. That's not what peace is. That's not, that's not what peace is. Is peace dependent upon knowing where our meals are going to come from or our finances? You know, I think of the peace that we hear about whenever we watch the videos or read the stories of martyrs, those being persecuted in other countries primarily because we still don't understand persecution yet here. 
But when they're persecuted or when we hear of a death of a martyr and we find it during their beatings, during the time that they were being stoned or their things were taken away, they said, you know, the one thing that I had, I had overwhelming peace. And I think, how do you have peace in that moment? How do you have peace? And this is, this is, I think I could die easier than the thing that other people have to endure when they decide to instead of kill you, they kill your family in front of you. That would be worse than death for me. Kill me. Don't kill my family. They said even in that moment there was peace. Well, let's not confuse peace with happiness. There wasn't happiness in the moment. But peace. What is the martyr's peace? Do we, talk, do we think about peace in terms of what we have here in the U.S.? You know, oh, well, we just need a little bit more peace. Well, what about the peace of the saints in the emerging nations or in Islamic states? There's so much more peace, I believe, for some of the saints that I've experienced in places like Ukraine, throughout Central America. You know, when they have no money in we spent, I spent some time in Ukraine in, in uh, 1998, just a few weeks. And there was people coming to the Bible college that we were there teaching in that would ride or walk 12 to 15 miles to and from the Bible college to save their 15 cents bus fare so that they could buy food or give an offering at the end of the week. But these people had peace. These people had joy. They had things that we don't understand sometimes. It's a supernatural peace. It's a supernatural joy. Peace is so important. The word shalom in the Hebrew, it's, it's so meaningful. And if you've ever spent any time in Israel, if you know any Jews, shalom is the greeting. Shalom, and it, and it means peace, but there's more to it than that. And it's, it's found some nearly 300 times in, in, the, in the Old Testament, but it's, shalom is so powerful. It means tranquility. It means ease. It also means health. But it's, it's got a connotation of completeness. And they talk and they greet each other with shalom, peace, completeness to you. And that's what we're talking about this morning is we need the shalom of God. We need the completeness of God. And it's not based on the, our situations. This morning we're crying out, God, show us the peace. Give us the peace of the Christ child. Help us to understand how He brings peace to us. And so doing just quickly this morning, i got a great glare on the clock this morning. In, in, in doing, I want to just touch on Three visitations. Three visitations that the angels had with the people in the Christmas story. And the first one is taken out of Luke chapter 1. And if you're taking notes, it's Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to kind of reference it. But in Luke 1, chapter 1, we find the visitation of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah becomes the father of John the Baptist. And, you know, Zechariah, he was a, the, the, one of the priests. 
And it was his turn as one of the priests to go up to the temple and serve for the week. And so he, there he is. He's up there serving for the week. And what was really exciting is that maybe at the most, once in your lifetime as a priest, you would be chosen to light the incense. Only once. And sometimes never as a priest. And this event, Zechariah is in lighting the incense. He's by himself. He's in there. And he's lighting the incense. And while he's in there, an angel of the Lord comes upon him and, and declares that Elizabeth is going to be with child. And Zechariah's response... First, of course, the angels, if you've ever noticed in the Bible, whenever an angel shows up, except in dreams, when the angel shows up and somebody's awake, the very first thing that the angel says is, peace, don't be afraid. When we're confronted with the message and messenger of God, fear comes in. Wow, what is this thing in front of me? Peace, don't be afraid. And the message goes to Zechariah. And he's standing there and, 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 and the angel declares what's going to happen. But Zechariah, he, he says, what are you going to do? My wife is old and it's not going to happen. He doubts the message. He doubts the message. And so he becomes a mute. He becomes dumb because he's questioning the message of God. Another visitation is Mary's visitation. Luke 1, 26 through 38, we find one of the accounts there when the angel comes to Mary and says, and what a message. Wow. Let's go ahead and let's go there real quick. You're probably already in chapter 1, so just go to 26. Verse 28. The angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Ah, that would be a pretty cool blessing from an angel. Ramy, blessed are you among men. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And now Mary simply asked the question, how? It's a different question than Zechariah's. Zechariah was unbelief, but Mary asks, how? She just wants to know, how is it going to happen? She says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And we, we know that the story goes on and she rejoices. And, and uh, this year, reading this account, every time I, I read something in the Bible, or most every time new things pop out, very interesting. You know, Mary goes and spends her the next three months with Elizabeth. And, uh, you know, and that's where everyone would, will assume that she gets pregnant when she was away from home. A little interesting. But the next visitation I want to just focus a little bit on this morning is Joseph's visitations. And they're all found in Matthew chapter. And, and Joseph gets three visitations through dreams in different ways. Uh, three visitations, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, 13 verse 15, and Matthew 2, 19 through 23. Three different times. 
The angel of the Lord comes and ministers to Joseph and gives him directions. And each time, Joseph's answers are yes. Immediately he gets up and he does what the angel proclaims. He doesn't refuse and he doesn't even question how. He just responds and he goes. But you know, Joseph had to deal with some hard things. It says that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. And yet, when Mary becomes pregnant, all eyes are upon Joseph. For one, was it you? Remember, they're already betrothed. And, and in, this, in the custom, in the culture, you get engaged. It's like you're married because you, you, in order to not be engaged any longer, you have to have a, a divorce. I wish it was like that for us. Take it more seriously. But in order to get a, 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 a break the engagement, you had to get a divorce. But So you got that hardship, but you didn't get to have the permission to sleep together. So here they're going to have their betrothal and they can't be together. And all eyes are on Joseph, the righteous man, and saying, your bride-to-be is pregnant. But he accepts it. And God overshadows him. The Bible doesn't say this, but you can tell that it was there with peace that God is in control. God is in control. Joseph must have had the peace of God to say, okay. It's hard. And the next one, flee because Herod is after you. And so they flee into Egypt after the child is born, leaving his family, going to a place unknown. How will they do that? How will they afford to live in a foreign country? And then finally, the third visitation when the angel comes and says, it's okay to go back now. Joseph responds. He doesn't know what's in store for him. Any place, any time he's going. But the peace of God is on Joseph. We need to have hearts like Joseph ready to respond to the message and the messenger of God when it comes and says, I have a, a plan for you. I have a job for you to do. Will you do it? We need to have that heart of Joseph. He stepped out in faith after he heard the word of God through the angels He responded and he followed the Lord. And peace, I believe peace came upon him. And this morning I want to talk about how we can obtain peace and and different things. And as I was going on, I, in preparation for the message, and shared a lot with Pastor Jeff even last night, and you're looking for that, that focus, I want to give just briefly, I want to spend just three minutes talking about three practical pieces of Ways to have peace. I want to talk about a couple of ways to have peace in your relationships. But mostly I want to talk about the peace of God. Because the peace of God is that thing that we don't understand and that we need the most. But I I just want to give a couple of things that I believe that we can have a little bit more peace in our lives if I can real quickly. One, this is a simple one. You know how one of the ways you can have peace in your life? Live within your means. Just live within your means. That's going to bring you more peace than you can possibly imagine. Stop spending more than you make if it's at all possible. Now, some of you are going, I can't spend any less than I make. Because I don't make anything. You know, the number one, the three top ones in marriage, the three top fights and disagreements are money, sex, and communication. And um, money's a big one. Begin to live in your means. It's going to bring more peace to your home than you can possibly imagine. Another one, and this one I'm, I'm, I need to work on because I know it's help, 
helpful. And in fact, I bet you Rob Parley could test it because recently he started doing it. Start exercising. A little bit of exercise in your life. This is practical. This is spiritual. I'm going to move quick. But when you exercise and you're moving your body, whether you're just getting some things done, come on, Jen, isn't this true? The peace floods off. You know, just a little exercise. It's just practical. It's backed up. I don't have to back it up. Another one. Practical advice. Be a giving person. Be a giving person. But here's what I mean by giving. Give grace. Give grace to people and not judgment. Be gracious. Peace is going to begin to come into your life. Give compliments. Not criticisms. Peace comes when you begin to compliment and stop criticizing people. It begins to slough off. Give of your time to people. It's nothing like serving somebody. Going and helping. Give of your time. Give of gifts. Give of your finances. It opens up your heart and, 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 and just helps you to understand that you have something that somebody will bless somebody else. And there's just, it's just a small practical side. Live within your means. Exercise, be giving. I told you I only give you three. There's a lot more we could do, but I want to move on. I want to talk just for a brief moment about some relational ideas of how to say, obtain peace in your relationships. And then we're going to get on to the spiritual, and that's the most important. And these aren't in any order. You want peace in your relationships? Learn how to apologize. Learn how to apologize and keep your butt out of it. I'm really sorry, but... No apology. Apology is just wiped out when you put your butt in there. Learn how to apologize and keep your butt out of it. I am sorry. And peace will begin to come more and more. You want to have peace in your house? Easier said than done, but begin to practice this. Don't yell unless the house is on fire. Don't yell. Don't stop yelling. Man, it's hard. So for some of you, it's even harder. Because you know you're going to blame your German roots or your Irish roots. You know, it's amazing how many cultures make us yell. <laughs> it's that Irish. It's that Italian in me. Don't yell. Just start working on it. Relation, you want a better relationship? You want peace in relationships? Share and evaluate your own expectations. Share your expectations with either your partner or the person you're in a relationship with and evaluate them and make sure that they're actually... You know, that they're, they're uh, realistic. We all have so many expectations. You wake up in the morning and you expect maybe your spouse to get you the cup of coffee. Never said anything about it. You come home from work and you work the hard day and you expect dinner to be on the table. You get home, dinner's not on the table. So now there's no peace. There's no peas on your plate, so there's no peace in your life. The problem is, is that your spouse didn't know that you expected to be dinner on the table. And maybe it was even unrealistic because your spouse worked as hard as you did all day and instead you need to bring home dinner. Expectations. Talk about them. Share them with each other. Let's figure out, man, are these realistic or not? I'm going to move on. I, I could have a lot of fun on this stuff. You want to know how to have peace in your relationships? Be an expert communicator. Devote time to learning how to communicate with people. I told somebody on the phone yesterday, 
I'm beginning to believe more and more that texting is of the devil. <laughs> now, I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but I've seen the, the, the results too many times of people who are texting each other and then they, they're, they're getting all hurt. Well, look at what they said to me. You know, there's no tone in texts. You can't communicate well in texts. We're trying to develop a, a thing here in the office that above disseminating information, that's it for texts. Once it goes on to ideas and, and concerns and feelings, don't text there. A text should be this. Do you want to meet for coffee? Like when you were a kid. Do you want to go out on a date? Yes or no. Do you want to meet for coffee? Yes or no? Yes. Meet you there. Done. Then when you get there, share your heart. Communicate. We have to learn how to communicate better than we're doing. Here's two, two points in that one. Seek first to understand the person you're speaking with. Seek first to understand them and then worry about being understood. Most of us have a conversation like this. Matthew and I are talking and he says something and all I'm doing is waiting for him to shut up so I can tell him how wrong he is. I'm just waiting. As soon as his mouth closed, but, but, and then I'm just going to jump right on him. That's, that's communication. Seek first to understand his point of view. Really work at it. Help me to understand. And that goes to the second one. Learn how to, active, learn how to listen actively. Learn how to listen actively. Wait, wait. Let me, let me. Is this what you're saying to me? Ask him back. Make sure you understand them. You do some of these things. These are simple principles. We're going to move on to the thing that's, this is great because we're going to move on to a supernatural piece. But if you begin to employ these, your peace levels are going to get higher and higher. You have more peace in your life. This is relationships in every area. Who's ever had a problem with a boss? Who's ever had a problem with anybody? And, and most of the breakdown is in the communication lines. Most of the line is in the communication. So those are a couple practical and a couple relational ways. Let's get on to some spiritual because we are in church. <laughs> Now, who will also agree and admit that things happen in life that are beyond communication? Some of these things are great, but then every once in a while, just life comes in and circumstances happen that these relational and practical things just doesn't matter. It doesn't help. Right? That's when we need Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Finding scriptures about having peace was not hard. It was, God, show me which ones need to be. This is, one, this is going to be my key text over the next just short time. And since I have, um, you've been closing early, I'm going to close late today. I'll just let you know I'm going to buy back all my early days. <laughs> be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. Let's not stop there because the next two verses are so important. They're part of this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
wouldn't it be great to go home or go to the office or look in the mirror and realize that everything that's being said to you by yourself or other people is, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe so-and-so today. They were so great. And oh, the kids were wonderful. And, and boy, this was virtuous and this was good instead of all the other stuff that we hear and say all the time. Meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Quickly go to Galatians chapter 5. So we're talking about spiritual peace now. We talked about practical and relational. Now we're talking about spiritual. Galatians 5.22, most of you can picture your hallway and now you can quote the verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. We need to understand that these things, though there is a, a, a portion of them that are natural, people who don't have the Spirit, they can love one another. They can have long-suffering. They can even have peace. There is also a spiritual side and an implication to these. The fruit of the Spirit are these things. And it's a deeper understanding. It's a deeper love. It's a deeper peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. If we want to have the peace of God, it's going to not going to come from just having good relationships. It's not going to come from exercise. Some of you, you're trying and trying and trying to get peace and it doesn't come because the true peace that we need only comes from God. It's a spiritual thing. And we can't get a spiritual thing in the natural. We can't muster up enough will or passion to get peace in our life that only comes from a spiritual side of God and that's having a connection with Him. We need to begin to press in more and more to the Father to get that spiritual peace. Go ahead and give me my slide. You'll be up there in a second. Peace. I want to talk about how, how we can get peace. And there's... It's not a how-to get peace because it's a spiritual peace. But I want to focus in on some things that are found in the Scriptures about getting peace. Does it come up in that nice peace? The first one is prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. Oh, God, it's working. I got peace. Going back to Philippians, we're going to kind of be in and out of there. Philippians 4 6. I lost it. Be anxious for nothing. Right there, I'm disqualified. Okay, I lose. Okay, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not. That doesn't work. But it goes on and tells us how we can help that to not happen. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. We need to be a people of prayer. Now, prayer is not one way. Prayer is two-way communication. You have to listen to God as much more than you talk to God. We need to let our requests be made known. The Bible says that it's okay to ask. Some of you might have a theology like, oh, I just don't like to ask God for anything. It's okay to ask. But don't just ask. Ask and talk to Him. Talk to him about it. Remember how I said that, you know, are your expectations real? You can have a conversation about that. God, this is what I'm asking for, but is, is this realistic? And God might say, you know, it's realistic, but it's not what I have for you right now. You know, God does talk to you. Be a person of prayer. Ask, listen, spend time with him. Talk to God. 
E. Entrust yourself to God's care. Entrust yourself fully to God's care. You've got to really say, God, I can't do this without you. I can't live without you. All to Jesus I surrender. Entrust yourself fully to God's care. I remember an old skit we used to do, and, and some of you, you maybe have seen it done. It's kind of a mime skit, and somebody gives their heart to God. You have to fully give your heart to God. You can't give it to someone else. You've got to entrust it fully and let it fully go to God. And say, God, I, I know that you're going to be good to me. We have to get over some major hurdles, some of us, of actually opening up our heart and our life to, to God to say, I'll, I'll let you care for me fully, 100%. And trust yourself to Him. He'll care for you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. This week I've been singing a lot of the old peace songs. He is my peace that has broken down every wall. He is my peace. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Give I to you. The peace we're looking at from God is that peace that passes understanding. It's not like the peace that the world gives. It's the peace that you see people have in the midst of turmoil and crisis, and it's not denial. There's a difference between denial and peace. Peace is, man, all this is happening, and I have no idea what's going to happen, but somehow I'm okay. Somehow I just know God is in there. Have an attitude of gratitude. I thought, how do I get an A out of this? Have an attitude of gratitude. Philippians 4 says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How are you going to get that peace with God? Begin to give thanks to Him for what you have. Turn it around. Rather than always asking and asking and complaining that we don't have it, have an attitude of gratitude towards God. It also doesn't, have a, it doesn't hurt to have an attitude of gratitude towards others. Attitude of gratitude all around, but especially with God. Thank Him for all those things. And as you begin to really say, God, thank You that I woke up this morning and thank You that my mom called me and thank You that my son did this or thank You that, that I didn't crash on the way to work. And I mean, you begin, I'm serious. You start looking for all those things that didn't go wrong today and begin to give Him thanks. And you're going to say, man, I complain about this when, when 4,000 things happened well today. God, I'm th- I thank You for these things. But, Lord, as I thank you for these things, I have some requests too. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Develop prayer and trust yourself to God's care. Have an attitude of gratitude. Control your thoughts. We've got to begin to take this mind. The Bible says that we have to take every thought and make it captive and obedient to Christ. Pulling down strongholds. You know, we talk about strongholds a lot in the Christian in Christianity. And we often think these strongholds are these devils around us. I believe a stronghold is what's happening in here. The strongholds of the mind. We need to begin to get control of our thoughts. And, and all the way up to sometimes saying, I rebuke that thought. I'm not going to think that any longer. And I, sometimes I sit there and talk to myself. Freaks people out when I'm in line of state of brothers. They usually let me go first. Control your thoughts. When those thoughts start coming in, say no. And how do you do this? Well, here it is in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, begin to think about these things. I'm going to think about the truth. Something comes in and says, you know what? I don't even know if that's the truth. Now, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that aren't true. They might not be false, so we don't know if they're false. But if you don't know, 
that they're true, then stop accepting them as truth. Stop accepting them as truth. Whatever things are true. And, and, and here's an example of that. You, you get a text or you get something and you start going, I think that they meant this. And you need to back up and say, do I know for sure what they were saying to me? Control your thoughts. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, begin to take these thoughts and say, I'm not going to dwell on the negative any longer. I'm going to control my thoughts. I'm not going to think negatively about those people. When people pull out right in front of you, say, God, bless them. Bless them with better driving habits. Lord, help them learn to look left more often. Bless them. Good report. Control your thoughts. The difference between animals and people. When, when, when something happens to an animal, it responds. With people, the moment something happens to us, we have the moment to choose our response. And I want to tell you, some of you act like animals. Something happens and you fly off the handle without even a thought. You are not in control. We need to get some control. And I, I do it too. I do it too. But I work hard at controlling my responses. I'm not trying to puff myself up or put myself different. But that's, you have to work at it. Control your thoughts. Control your actions. Control your words. Let's get a, and as we begin to do that, you know, when you control yourself, the next time something happens between you and your spouse and you don't yell at her like you usually do, or you don't yell at him like you usually do, I'm looking all around because I don't know any of these, and you don't, peace is going to happen. It just changes things. Control. Then begin to pray. God, help me to get time out. I just need to pray. <laughs> Can I pray before I respond? God, help me to respond right, right now. My wife is so lovely. God, and you've made her part of the pure spotless bride. How on earth can I say something negative to my wife right now? Control yourself. Control your thoughts. And finally, and this isn't a complete list, these things are going to help us with God. Engage the Scriptures. Engage the Scriptures. What does that mean? Engage means this. To involve oneself or become occupied and to participate in. That's engagement. It means to assume an obligation and to agree. That's an engagement. It means to become meshed or interlocked. Engage the Word of God. Begin to get meshed in with it and agree with it. Get in there. Involve yourself in the Word of God. Why? Because when the message of God comes to you, you have the moment to choose whether or not you're going to respond like Joseph, like Mary, or like Zechariah. Will you question it? Will you go, how? Or will you say, God, your Word says it. I'm going to do it. You, th this is how it brings peace. Because when you have the Word of God in your heart and in your life, you know how to respond in a godly manner. And when you respond in a godly manner to situations in life, peace will come. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. We need to be living for God and living for Him. 
read, memorize, meditate on the Word of God. It's going to begin to give peace. It's going to give you peace because you know when the Word of God promises you something, He'll come and fulfill it. It also, it also helps us understand short-term peace and long-term peace. The Bible promises us tribulation. And where does that fit in the message of peace? Because we know that the Bible says, this is also not my home. And so even when tribulation happens, God has got in store for me something far greater. And my peace is built there. God, help me to be long-suffering. Help me to suffer for a long time. Because I know the end, that you have something great for me. Peace comes when we begin to know the heart of God through reading His Word and through prayer. When you know the heart of God, you can go through the difficult times. But if you don't know the attitude, the heart, and the passion of God and character of God, your peace goes away quickly because you expect the things you want and not the things that God has. So peace is prayer and trusting yourself to God's care. Have an attitude of gratitude. Control your thoughts and engage in the Scriptures. But there's one overarching thing I want to say before we close. You can't have peace if you keep rebelling against God. See, none of these matter if you're in rebellion against God. If I'm in rebellion against God, I will never, ever have the peace that passes understanding. I might get some physical, natural peace. I might have peace in my relationships. But you'll never have the peace that God offers if you're in rebellion against God. And I can't, I'm not saying don't sin, because we can never stop sinning. But some people are living in absolute rebellion to the Word of God and to their relationship with God. And those people know it. There's no peace for those who are willfully living contradictory to the will of God. Jeremiah chapter 8 talks about this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures there. It says, The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they have rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Your relationship with Christ, the relationship with God is a very serious issue. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when they are punished, says the Lord. I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no grapes on the vine. There will be no fig trees, figs on the tree, and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken from them. You can't have the peace of God if you're in rebellion. But here's what's the great news, because the Bible is the good news. The gospel is the good news. You can stop right now and say, I'm not going to rebel any longer. This morning we've been talking about the peace of God. It's my prayer that each of us today, including myself, will get a better hold and get a deeper understanding of what the peace of God is in our lives. Because each and every one of us, each and every one of us needs it in our life. We need more peace. And some seem to have it more than others, but all of us could use more of God's peace. And that's the peace of God, but there's the final part was you can't have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. If you're in rebellion or if you've 
never made peace with God, as so many people say, if you've never gone to Him and understand that your place outside of Him is death, destruction and doomed for hell, then you can never have the peace of God. You need to make peace with God if you've never done that. And the only way that you can do that is to agree with Him. And the Bible simply says that all have sinned and fall short of His glory and that the wages of that sin is death. And that there's a wall that separates us and the only way we can get over that is the blood of Jesus Christ to take away our sin. Talking to those who've never trusted in Him and I'm speaking to those maybe who have been rebelling against Him. You know what God is calling you to do. Repent. Revelation says, let your first works become your last. Go back to the place you once were with Him. Make peace and say, God, I have sinned against you. Let this be your prayer right now. Jesus, I am a sinner. I've rebelled against you. And I know that your word says that the wages of sin is death. Forgive me of my sin. Purify me. Cleanse me. Bring me into right relationship with you. I've chosen my own way and now I choose yours. I choose life. Thank you that the Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ. I've confessed my sins. Today all things are new. For the rest of us, God, we need your peace. Yes, God, we need some practical peace. We need some relational peace. But God, more than anything in our lives, we need the peace that passes understanding. We need you to guard our hearts. Lord, I pray that each of us would see the things that we can do in our life to make you number one and to have relationship with you. That we would present our request with thanksgiving to you. That we would pray. God, that we would commit ourselves fully into your care. We'd entrust ourselves to you. God, help us to take control of our thoughts. And in that, become and have an attitude of gratitude this morning. Help us to see the good things. Help us to train ourselves to Philippians 4, 8. Lord, and I pray that we'd each in here begin to more and more get a passion and love for your scriptures, for your word, and that we would fully engage and let it guide and rule our lives. And God, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. That you have a desire for us and plans for us. Lord, I thank you that you will care for us and provide for us. You'll walk with us when we walk through the valleys. Help us to keep our eyes on you and receive your peace this morning. Lord, I pray, shalom, completeness, peace upon everyone here as we look forward to your second coming again which will finally restore to us the peace that we'll never have until we're at home with you 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.